Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. And in this episode, we're going to be diving into a post-holiday analysis, including supply chain challenges, Omicron, and the economic recovery. Because believe it or not, Christmas was only 38 days ago, which is crazy, only. I am so excited to discuss all of these topics, and I am joined today again by Megan Blissick, and she is the head of global agency partnerships at Signified. Welcome, Megan. So nice to see you, Tim. Yes, it's great to have you back in the studio. Excited that you made it into the snowy Chicago area for I us did. to record this episode today. So, Megan, you have a new role since you were last on the show. You want to give us a little bit of background about this head of global agency partnerships and just what you're doing at Signified now as a leader in the e-commerce protection industry. And of course, you've got a wide background of experience there, but kind of tell us a little bit about the shift in role and uh, what you're doing today. Yeah, you're really plugging me there, Tim. I appreciate (laughs) it. Yeah, so this year I'm stepping into a more broad and global role as we continue to build out our partnerships program. You know, Signified only exists because we have amazing partners like AmericanEagle.com. And, you know, as we continue to become a global leader in the e-commerce fraud prevention landscape, and as this honestly becomes a more salient issue for a lot of merchants as business continues to grow more and more online, we really want to make sure that we're servicing our customers around the world. So our team has actually expanded on partnerships to include partnerships in our London office and our Mexico City office, as well as North America. We're actually becoming global, so we needed a global head to oversee all of that work. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, congrats. And I'm Looking forward to our conversation today, just like last time. There's a lot to discuss, so let's jump right on in. Really, let's start off just with what the expectations, like for 2022 already, right? There's a wild read on what's what to expect for 2022, but beyond that point, this year's holiday season, looking backwards at Christmas too, but what's some of the just trends that Signified saw in the space and what can e-commerce practitioners expect to see moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think that conversations last year were pretty heavily dominated by not only COVID, but by the supply chain challenges that were caused by that. I think the general public started seeing things in late October, early November of oh, this is a really big issue. You know, we all kind of laughed at the evergreen uh, challenge of the boat Mm -hmm. getting stuck in the canal, but then we realized, okay, we've got a lot of ships off the port of California to the point where our president had to issue a mandate to get 24-hour work over there. That's where a lot of our merchandise comes from. So customers did take note. They realized, okay, there's a longer lead time. I can't expect to have items in two, three, four days. Shipping cutoffs, I saw some merchandise as early as two weeks before Christmas. Mm -hmm. We're doing their shipping cutoffs to get it there. And the numbers really showed that. We had a huge spike in volume for year-over-year change for the last holiday season, starting actually four weeks before Black Friday. Yeah, that was crazy this year, just the amount of pre-November, and I would say even very beginning of October, late September, promotions of Black Friday savings and opportunity for that holiday shopping season that was much earlier than ever before because of all these logistics problems that these suppliers and distributors have had. Exactly. 
you know, usually we see some significant growth year over year. I believe, you know, companies like eMarketer have always projected about five to six percent growth online. Uh, but what we were seeing prior to Black Friday were 30, 35, up to 55 percent year over year change in volume, which is pretty incredible. Um, right around Black Friday, Cyber Monday numbers stayed pretty flat. Mm-hmm. We still saw some growth in the days following, but where we really saw a lot of growth, and you might have been able to guess this one, but we saw gift card volume mm-hmm. more than double across the board for the entire month of November. Yeah. So we really saw a lot of people you know, either realizing I need to get my products earlier or I need to get a product that doesn't have any lead time to get into the hands of the person that's buying it. Yeah, it was in my mind also the safer purchase for some people because a gift card means that you're not responsible for the actual gift's arrival date. You're still giving them something to choose themselves. And I think personally that would be kind of my mentality of, well, if I can't guarantee that the actual product will get here, let me just get them the gift card and they still get to pick what they want, but at the same time, I'm not responsible for having it on Christmas Day so yeah. um, or any of the holidays at that time of year. So with all of that, and as we look at the fact that, as you mentioned, we saw that larger uptick prior to Black Friday and Black Friday, Cyber Monday numbers stayed about the same. That's usually where we see that big initial spike in the holiday commerce season. And I wonder if this effect is going to just be for the duration of where the logistics need to catch up. Or if you think that maybe that we're going to start to see that this is just the new norm, to kind of use that phrase. Yeah, I think we're all used to and tired of that phrase. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. The... The cyclical shopping experience is no longer there, especially, you know, Omicron threw a huge wrench in things and a lot of plans. We were planning for a great and safe Christmas and holiday season. But, you know, we're seeing these waves across the world, which also really throws things off when you have to realize we're working on a global scale. Every time that you're buying a product that's at Target or Walmart, it's probably has some footprint in another country. Mm -hmm. So as we continue to deal with the kind of unequal rollout of um, vaccinations, things like that, we're going to continuously see interruptions in the supply chain in places we wouldn't necessarily anticipate. So the holidays are more fluid now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some people are opting for experiences rather than for physical goods and products. We'll always see a volume shift and a volume increase, but seeing it spread out over a larger period of time, we're seeing, again, people opt into these alternatives of gift cards, things like that. I think we're going to expect not as heavy of a consumer shopping experience in the last three months of the year. Yeah. One thing I just want to say on that, just the footprint of a product being in other countries. Again, I always like to bring personal stories into this. So I've talked about the couch a lot in the past number of episodes, but we bought a couch last May. It was supposed to be delivered in October. We knew that there was you know delays and everything, and that was okay. Well, that, that seems lengthy, but it's a big piece of furniture. Then we were told, oh, it's not October anymore, it's January. And that was because of the international foam shortage, which I just was an interesting tidbit that foam had a shortage. It does. And then with that, we got the January notice. Oh, now it's delayed until March. And then two days later, we got the now it's delayed till May. And I'm like, okay, this is 12 years, uh, 12 months, sorry. (laughs) It feels like 12 years. It feels like 12 years. And I'm like, (laughs) we wanted a couch. We already rearranged the room. And I'm like, I just got to get rid of this old one because I got plenty of foam that was coming out of that couch (laughs) that I could have used in the new couch. But with that, we ended up just going to a local manufacturer. It's a big name. And we went to their outlet. 
And we talked with them. We found something that fit the space and we just, and the order was with them too, which was kind of nice. I was like, at least I'm still giving them some of that business that was going to be there. But we ended up actually changing our mind for what we needed because we had that length of time to really see the room, see what we wanted. And we completely went a different direction. So I just see that some of these logistical delays are also going to cause that within products. A study I haven't done yet to say how many people are changing their minds of what they really want because it's not coming right away. And this is where we've talked about brand loyalty in the past too. Mm-hmm. And the loss of brand loyalty because people are looking for just inventory first. Yeah. And so it's just really unique to me where returns and just kind of get back to returns here. Was there an uptick in return abuse or not because the amount of product that was going out was not the same as what it used to be? Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it, right? There is one of the reasons that you don't want to buy a gift for someone is always and has always been that, you know, you don't want them to not like it and then have to return it. So we see all these gift card purchases, Mm -hmm. but we also see people expecting to get a product at a certain time or you know, people buying something that the inventory is no longer in stock. That happened to me twice recently with a large shoe retailer because mm-hmm. someone was coming out to Chicago and did not have the proper footwear. <laughs> <laughs> so as I'm trying to make sure that I've got winter boots that will walk through the seven inches of snow on the ground right now, looks like other people had the same idea. Mm-hmm. So canceled orders were coming in, not only from the merchants, but from customers. So mm-hmm. at Signify, we also not only prevent fraud, but we also look into consumer abuse, which is of course, a good customer doing what we would call a bad behavior. Mm -hmm. So the customer actually receives their product, but then they file a claim with their credit card saying, I never received it, or it's not as it was described. One of the other things that they can do is cancel the order. Uh, If that's timed out correctly, the order is already shipped out. They've Mm -hmm. canceled it, gotten the money back, and then also get the product. So not giving people ideas here. But we did see canceled merchandise being our largest consumer abuse chargeback reason, which you know usually we would see the item not received claims in the beginning of pandemic, and that was you know twofold. It's, it's quite easy to claim item not received, just say, oh, I didn't get it, and there's no way to prove that. But also, you know, people weren't getting their products. Mm-hmm. I live in New York. Porch theft is a real thing. I've also seen it's a real thing anywhere else. There's, oh, yeah. There's the videos of um, you know the woman in the minivan driving behind the Amazon truck mm-hmm. and uh, picking the parcels up yep. off the uh, off the front steps. I've seen seen some funny nest cam videos too, oh, yeah. where people have uh, taken their their own revenge on. Well, that and front. not o- not only the porch <laughs> thefts, but even just the stories about the delivery company drivers who just dumped all their packages. Really, uh, there was two different one. states I saw that report in. One of them had over 600 packages. The delivery driver just chucked 600 of them into a ravine and went and just closed out his day and said he was done. And another one was someone who just didn't want to deliver stuff, so they would just throw out some at random times. It's just, it's crazy that we suddenly had this shift of dependability. And then we didn't have the option of actually having those end users. Like, what happens to those packages? The police find them. Are they re-delivered? Are they not? I mean, it's just, it's an interesting world that we're living in with uh, delivery and and porch thefts and everything. And with all the ring cameras too, it's almost everyone expects a ring camera now, but it still happens. 
Yeah. And it's hard because logistics are a huge challenge on the front end. That's what we've been talking about for this entire holiday season was seeing the issues on the front end. But on the back end, it's so much more complicated. You know, no one has figured out returns yet. I can pretty <laughs> confidently say that. Like, you know, someone's going to follow up from this podcast and be like, oh, we've got it in the bag mm-hmm. and I want to hear from them. So so challenge yeah. challenges put out there. But about 30% of e-commerce sales are returned compared to 10% in physical stores. Mm-hmm. E-commerce is a bit more impulsive or you're buying a gift for someone, you know, mm-hmm. sending it somewhere else or you're buying multiple things, trying them on mm-hmm. and, you know, shopping at your house effectively, sending yep. something back. But when we keep seeing these huge spikes in volume on e-commerce and then we think about 30% of those products going back, some of those products are seasonal Mm -hmm. and they can't be returned or they can't be returned at full price and then we actually have fraudulent returns about seven and a half percent of orders online are fraudulently returned oh wow crazy that's just the shipping back an empty box or a box with something else in it that wasn't the product that they purchased right that is true we've seen the i think the fan favorite of the fraud stories is the iPhone as a potato. Mm-hmm. So uh, ship back is um, this happens because you know you go and return your product at a shipping mm-hmm. warehouse or center. They weigh the package. If the weights match up, yeah. send it back. Send your money back. But by the time it gets back, you know someone has to open and inspect that. They may or may not. Mm-hmm. And you know then you as long as you've got the same weight within the parcel, you're pretty much set to go on yep. the return side. So there's full full running resealing and repackaging operations where, you know, people are really running return fraud rings. And mm-hmm. that's been a huge growth over the past two years. Whereas, you know, we were really seeing a lot of the phishing scams mm-hmm. or a lot more of the front end scams. We're now seeing a lot of returns abuse. Yeah. Let's so we'll dive into that in just a moment, but a fun random fact, since you mentioned potatoes in that I- iPhone <laughs> case. If everyone remembers science class, you can actually use a potato to power a clock. So it's just a fun random fact that it's uh, incredible what you can do with a potato when you have one. Potato uh, power. Yes, potato power. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always wanted to make a little go-kart out of potatoes. I'm sure someone's done that science experiment and they can potato power their go-kart out of the potato being the car. So I usually just make hash browns. Um, you know, in, in, instead of EV vehicles, we'll have potato vehicles. Anyways, I digress. Uh, let's talk about year-over-year changes and just the major trends. We've talked about a few. We talked about the return fraud, especially for e-commerce online. I think you're spot on with the fact that the 30% is because of multiple missizing information. I, I find that all the time. My latest example, uh, because I always go to personal examples, is the best to talk about life, is ordering a pair of cross-country skis. So. Of course, you know, it's never the surprise for my wife and I what we get each other for the holidays. But our kids think that, oh, my gosh, dad didn't know. And so we ordered them. And one night we're looking at them. I'm like, oh, okay, everything was in centimeters and European sizing. Oh, no. And so I was just like, okay, let me try and do my math calculations here. And, you know, 2.2 to the decimal of what to convert centimeters to inches and all that fun stuff. Of course, I ordered the completely the wrong size of skis. But fun result of that is they fit perfectly for my oldest son and so we were able to give them to him and just order a pair of boots so the same company actually ended up because of that issue of conversion for me because a us-based site didn't convert it for me which is a different (laughs) discussion i ended up buying two pairs of skis from them and another pair of boots because i got them for my son to wear with his so all of a sudden now they've doubled their transactions with me 
just because of a mishap. Now, that's a different side of the story from your 30% that you're talking about with returns. But the return process was really interesting because for this company, certain products ordered online are not allowed to be returned to their store. Yes. And then you get to the charging costs and with everything with logistics and inflation and other factors. Now they're trying to charge me money to ship it back to them, even if I wasn't buying another product, which is really interesting mm-hmm. to me because now it's like, oh, do I really want to pay that $11? Amazon does the same thing. I can drive to Kohl's and drop off all my Amazon returns and not have to pay anything and, and just drop it off there. Don't even have to box it. They box it for me. Mm-hmm. That changed my life. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll drive out of my way to go there. Now, I don't buy anything in Kohl's anymore. My wife will, so I try to drop them off. But with that, it's just driving your foot traffic back in store is interesting. But to restrict people was also really interesting, where if you have the retail stores, why not accept it? And I think that goes back to your earlier point where logistics is such an issue right now. If they get it in store, they're not meant to sell it in store. How do they get it back to their warehouse to ship out? Exactly. And, you know, we did an analysis and found that the additional related costs of shipping, restocking, refurbishing, liquidating cost 3.7 times the cost of goods. Wow. So sometimes (laughs) just actual returns, not Mm -hmm. fraudulent, but regular returns are too expensive. And you'll see these reports near the end of every holiday season that say, keep the product and the Mm -hmm. money and you know someone tries to return a high ticket item Mm -hmm. that's heavy like a couch or a television and they get told by the merchant here's your money back and Mm -hmm. just keep the product because we don't want to figure out how to get it back Mm -hmm. and that's because you know 25 percent of returned items can't be refurbished Mm -hmm. or resold that can be because they're damaged Mm -hmm. in any of the shipping you know you might get the product and it arrived damaged or it's a seasonal product if we're talking like clothing and Mm -hmm. merchandise things like that And then it's also really bad for the environment. About $5 billion of product ends up in landfills from the returns process because- Just from returns. Just from returns because, you know, that carbon footprint of getting Mm -hmm. a product in your warehouse already, just getting it there, shipping it out to a customer, you might have to use a last mile shipping service Mm -hmm. as well on top of the actual Mm -hmm. shipping. It gets packaged, it gets unpackaged, gets sent back and then, has to go back to either that distribution center or a secondary distribution center, get checked for verification because we now have fraud in that process, make sure it's actually Mm -hmm. shoes and not rocks in the box. And it could be sent back to them or it could be sent to a liquidator, a third Mm -hmm. party, and then shipped out again. Like that's, it's a a long journey for a product. And it's really hard for merchants to find the best way to do that, especially when we look at merchants Mm -hmm. really being asked to expand internationally and globally. Yeah, no, it's true. I, Talking about just sustainability, I do love how Patagonia has really gone and focused on that as just a core. They've had it as a core mission for a long time, but just the fact on some of the recycled aspects of what they're doing, but even upcycling or whatever the correct phrase is for that, but taking your product, sending it back in for repair. I never would have thought about that, but when I look at some of the quality of what's made Mm -hmm. in some of these products, that gives me, uh, yeah, I like it. I like fit. I just need this fixed on it is a nice option for people instead of just buying new and throwing out. And so that return process, all that packaging is saved because you're not buying new and having a new one sent. You're not filling a landfill with your X products. Wow, I'm really going off the deep end there. (laughs) I X you. But overall, I think that it's all part of the supply chain itself, right? So the returns is part of it. The new product shipment is part of it. The refurbished market is always hit or miss depending on what you have. But 
overall, I do want to make sure after this podcast recording, I get that list of companies that tell you to keep it and give the money back. <laughs> to, just you know, everyone wants that. I list, know right? everyone wants that list. Yeah. But let's talk about the holiday window shift a little bit more mm. and. Do we expect to see that again this year in your mind? I'm going to ask you to look a little bit into the future here, right? Part of our show title. But where do you think, is that still going to be a problem at the end of this year in 2022? Are we going to recover a bit more or let's hear your thoughts. This is an interesting one to predict because I think a lot of this actually has to do with global policy, which as much as I do appreciate all the plugging at the beginning, I'm not sure I'm an expert there yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, when we look at a global supply chain, that's really what's impacting this. We still have shortages in products. I feel sorry for you if you've anyone that's tried to buy a car in the past year. Mm -hmm. Chip shortages have been as prevalent as foam shortages. Mm -hmm. Um, So... If we reach a consensus on COVID policies, you know, where some places are shutting down when one case happens and Mm -hmm. some places are trying to kind of move forward with how things are now, we'll start to see more balancing out. We're also seeing within our own government a lot of work being done to curb spiking inflation rates, Mm -hmm. which in part were coming from these product shortages. You know, that's the the one thing we don't talk about here is, you know, when you can't get that product, someone else is going to sell you that product for a higher price, Mm -hmm. whether it's a secondary market or another retailer. And we definitely felt that in the end of the holiday season. We saw that, you know, we could still get products, but they cost quite a bit different recently. Mm -hmm. So I think that the way that we're approaching the market of let's get things under control. Let's get more consistent again. Also, we're seeing a lot of easing up on the so-called revenge spending, which Mm -hmm. I think was very prevalent this holiday season. This was the first holiday that a lot of people were actually able to get together. And average order value was up 150% every day of Cyber Week. People went big this year. Mm -hmm. So I think that as we are getting back into balance, we're easing a lot of these financial stimulus measures. We're pushing up interest rates to help curb the inflation. Customers are going to act a bit more as anticipated. But yeah, I think we're still going to see some fear lingering on from Mm the unexpectedness of the past two years. Yeah, I definitely agree with the first point you made about this of just the policies of is the workplace shutting down with one or is it they're still trying to move it forward because that is what impacted especially the footprint in other countries too Mm -hmm. is the manufacturing side of it, the plants to produce it and all of that. But then that streamlines all down the supply chain of from the manufacturer to the delivery driver to the shipping, right? So boat, we had all the unloading issues on the West Coast and then uh, Mm -hmm. just even air travel too because if you don't have enough pilots and everything then you have that lack of traffic to bring everything over and you always want to maximize the shipping method so you don't want to wait and just send a partially filled boat or plane or whatever vehicle and then with that the last mile delivery you you hit on earlier too and i think that's a key one we talked about that in the past about how you can't control the brand experience with that last mile delivery company and they also are having shortages of people available to deliver and who are willing to go and do that work right now. So I think that all of that just stems together and, and fits perfectly with kind of your thought of we're going to still see some of the issues at the end of this year, probably into 2023 as everything starts to hopefully, to use the analogy, right the boat, right, right the <laughs> ship. But let's talk a little bit about 
digital only purchases and the uptick that was seen in that area. Yes, that's always an interesting one. Also, I can leave you with one of the scariest statistics that I saw that I actually had to go back and look at. The cost of a shipping container from Asia topped $20,000 last year. A few years ago, the cost was $2,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had to reread that one a few times mm-hmm. when we really- So t- 2000 to 20000 Yes, in less than two years. So if you need to get your product on a boat, that was the premium this mm-hmm. holiday season. So when we look at these really crazy inflation numbers on our end, it's coming from every single step of the supply chain, which is why people have opted to digital goods because mm-hmm. they're- Hey, an e-gift card, pretty good option sometimes. <laughs> so I'm intrigued. I'm going to go a little bit into the future here, and then I want to just talk about any other anomalies that you saw with the holiday season. Metaverse has been a huge Metaverse. topic. And you talk about digital goods. I've been doing a ton of research on this. We're exploring some areas with a few different clients for the direction of bringing both commerce and experiences into the metaverse. Mm -hmm. And with that, we have digital goods in there. So we've seen huge stories. Nike bought a company called Artifact. I can't remember how to spell it because it's numbers and letters and it's like (laughs) R8, uh, you know, and you know they bought it because of digital yes you do you do <laughs> if it's spelled wrong it's a tech company even though there's a squiggly red lines under it but uh <laughs> with this it was a digital shoes for your avatar and they were selling for three six and ten thousand dollars a hmm. pair mm-hmm. digital products And the company got purchased by Nike and we saw Adidas do some of this and we have all the NFTs and everything. And Mm -hmm. we've got some of the high end luxury bag designers also starting to build these digital products. But now there's this concept of also giving a digital product in the metaverse. So I could buy that purse for my wife and give it to her and she could choose to keep it in the metaverse and accessorize her avatar with it, I think is the right way to phrase that. And then she can also look to trade it for a physical bag. And I'm just shocked at like, what is this gonna mean for the return industry and fraud? Because I can't return a digital good easily. You can ask for some of the companies like Apple had to deal with it with the app store with accidental purchases by Mm -hmm. six year olds or younger. And it's a certain point that you get a certain kind of uh, just grace period. But what do you think is gonna happen with all these digital goods in that type of metaverse virtual reality world. Yeah, that's a interesting world. I'm sure all the gamers listening to this podcast are shouting right now that this is not the first time this happened. I mm-hmm. mean, go back to Fortnite a few years ago and people are buying skins yep. and designs for their avatars that do, you know, nothing to actually help them win the game, but you know, they're buying dances mm-hmm. <laughs> that they can borrow online. You know, the concept of buying digital goods has been around for a while. Mm-hmm. The concept of digital goods becoming physical is a really interesting place. And I think that as we continue to look at how much our digital lives are part of our physical lives, it makes more sense, mm-hmm. right? I read one article in the metaverse that did kind of hurt my brain a bit because it had the two photos, one which had gone through all of its filters and mm-hmm. one that was the original. It said, you know, which of these is actually real because this is the one that's online, is mm-hmm. seen by your peers, and this is how you're perceived to be. So how is that any less real than the photo as it was? Mm-hmm. Um, still something I think about like every other day. I'm like, yep. 
uh, breaks my brain a little bit. <laughs> but I think like looking at it through a commerce perspective, the companies I have spoken with about this are ones that are comfortable with the digital universe. So mm-hmm. I've so far spoken to video game companies about you know having the capability to unlock physical goods within your digital accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a little different than trading something you purchase virtually to physically, but yeah. having that reward system of, oh, you achieved this in this game, mm-hmm. now we're going to send you a physical yep. product. So it's I think it's been around in more fringe sections that bringing this into the mainstream landscape, it has a place. I think it has to figure out what that place is. Um, because right now, you know, NFTs have not found their place yep, yet. Correct. I think cryptocurrency is starting to find its place, but you know, it's still swinging very mm-hmm. wildly. So, uh, you know, until it's until there's a actual purpose behind it, it's going to be a really fluid concept. Mm-hmm. And then once there's once the why can be answered, I think it will be much more widely adopted. Yeah, great way to phrase it, and I completely agree because just like crypto. The metaverse has over a hundred plus different worlds and metaverses that are out there mm-hmm. until that kind of just unification comes down to what the core platform really is we're going to just see these splintered experiences and we saw it in a lot of different other areas of tech and everything even digital e-commerce was very splintered at first and then mm-hmm. you kind of had that you know main concept of digital commerce happened through Amazon in my mind of where you had this kind of global store. It didn't start with as many products as they had and they focused on just books, but it really grew into that marketplace area. Mm -hmm. So once we see that unification, we'll have more of an insight into it. So I'm excited to see where that goes and not as excited to hear about the fraud that happens with it, but I know (laughs) Signified will be there for helping people navigate it. We will be there, yeah. uh, Any other anomalies or any other tidbits that you wanna share on today's episode? Yeah, I had one interesting thing. So from our listeners that don't remember Signified from the last time we were on here, we are an e-commerce fraud prevention solution. We sit right after you click the buy button on most sites and before on some, and we can really look at everything that a customer is doing and all the information they're sharing to help make the best decision as to whether or not their order is legitimate. That means we work across a ton of different industries. So all these numbers, all this cool data that we've been bringing up is a global take on over 20 different e-commerce industries, which means we get to break down by those. Mm -hmm. So this year we looked at the year-over-year change in fraud pressure. Um, Fraud pressure is measured by how many orders we deem as potentially fraudulent. So when someone goes to make a purchase, if a lot of red flags show up, like their email address is a day or two old, you know, that might be a Mm -hmm. little sketchy, or their billing and shipping address mismatch, which doesn't necessarily mean fraud. It could be Mm -hmm. a gift, which we're used to in the holidays, but it could be something else. They have no social media accounts. They pretty much just showed up. Their credit card has been flagged before, or they've charged something back before at a different store. Once we say "Mm, there's enough red flags for us to turn down this order, we consider that fraud pressure. So this year, we actually saw huge lifts in beauty and cosmetics and in grocery and household goods in Mm. terms of fraud pressure, more attempts to order fraudulent items. And we actually saw the biggest decrease year over year in home goods and decor and electronics. Interesting. 
Yeah, kind of well, kind of interesting. Gro- groceries, I'd say, I understand. We have started utilizing online grocery shopping a lot more just for the convenience when busy schedules with the kids and everything. It's just nice to be able to just order and, and do that. Mm-hmm. But the electronics one and, and household goods, I would think, would still kind of stay up there overall. Any insights into why that might be happening? Yeah, so electronics is usually what we kind of see as the golden goose of fraudulent products. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tends to be lightweight, high order value, and high secondary market value. So Mm -hmm. it can be sold for near the retail price. So to see a decrease in the holiday season on electronics means that either fraudsters are trying to go with different types of fraud, more returns abuse rather than flat out fraud attempts, you know, show up on the back end. And Mm -hmm. that goes back to our iPhone potato, (laughs) 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 which we did see more returns abuse and more fraudulent returns. So Mm -hmm. it could either be that they're moving down the supply chain because they're getting caught at the front, or it can be that there's other types of fraud that are coming into play. We did see a huge portion of the fraudulent orders come in as mule fraud this year, Mm. which includes that innocent buyer in the middle. Unfortunately, they've been tricked into doing this either by a job board. There's romance Mm. fraud, which is also a type of mule fraud. You know, oh, your internet boyfriend got stuck in another country Mm -hmm. because the weather was terrible and needs a thousand dollars to buy a plane ticket. These kind of tricky things that show up along the way. But seeing more mule fraud is actually really interesting. We're still seeing a lot of people getting tricked into scams and buying products on behalf of fraudsters. So seeing that decrease in electronics, I think to me just speaks that there's less of the traditional, you know, stolen credit card fraud going on and they're getting a bit more creative and thoughtful. I want to go back for a moment to one of the points you talked about where really where Signified sits is, I like to kind of call it the silent auditor, the silent observer, (laughs) right? In between the click of the buy button and then the actual order going fully into the e-commerce organization systems. Mm -hmm. What's happening? Because you talked about like an email address that's a day old or two days old and, and all that. So Apple released with the iOS 15 update, this hide my email. Yes. And hide my tracking. And I will admit, I have used the hide my email on sites. I'm just like, you know what? I really don't want my personal email in their list. I've seen my email get grabbed so many times by different data incidents and breaches and everything. And just people who have sold it, I know they're selling it, even though they won't admit they are. Um, (laughs) So I started using that more. And I'm just curious how that is being handled with Signify, because we've got some of this push now from the major tech giants who are saying, hey, we're going to try and help you protect your privacy But that also, I think, dampens the impact that you have to audit and say how valid that purchase is. Now, are you looking at the other factors in that case beyond the email? You mentioned a a whole list of what you kind of use as criteria. I'm just curious if you've seen an uptick of just that use. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I use that feature too. And I think with customers, you know, when big tech entered the scene back in like the mid 2010s, there was no regulation on data usage. When I worked at a marketing agency, it was partially through my time working there that Facebook actually removed 80 of the targeting categories you were allowed to use because Mm -hmm. customers said, hey, I don't want you to know everything about me in my life, accepting cookies now, using the privacy features on Apple. You know, customers want some control of their data, but they also are comfortable sharing information when they know how it's being used Mm. and when they know it's being used to benefit them. So that is one part. And I completely agree with that. Like you should have privacy and safety on Mm. the internet. The other part is that, you know, Signify does collect about 80 different data points. So 
if we're missing one, and this is actually where we help more customers get through. Mm -hmm. So a verified email address is something really, really valuable to a company. You know, if you have an account with them, if you have a loyalty program, that's why almost every website you go on tries to get you to create an account when you're checking out. It's a really secure way for them to verify that you are who you say you are. Also, you know, if all of your information auto populates, it mm -hmm. makes it easier for you to move <laughs> through the checkout flow. Yes. We have products that do that. We have, you know, even just Google Chrome does that and stores your information. Mm -hmm. um, so it's less it's less of a need for people to actually create individual accounts. And then now we don't even need to put our email addresses out there. Yeah. But um, but, you know, Signify collects, again, a lot of different data points so that we're looking at a very holistic view of the person that is actually making the purchase. We have device information as well. So where are you buying the product and information from the website? How long are you spending? How did you navigate around? And is that typical behavior compared to other people that buy things on this specific website? You know, mm -hmm. most people spend say five minutes on the website before they get to the checkout flow where most people put things into their cart before and if you navigate directly from a search engine to a product display page put the item in your cart and check out in 20 seconds and it's a three thousand dollar order might be a little mm -hmm. sketchy yeah but you might have gone and visited that website a hundred times at this point and you're finally just ready to pull the trigger mm -hmm. on that big purchase. We use all of those different points of data to make a very rounded out decision on a customer. And the way that, that actually helps more orders get through is that if one or two of those things are kind of weird, like the email address is a scrambled mm -hmm. email or the one I always use because I always forget this, but your CVV code, because oh, yeah. that won't auto-populate, which is good. Um, <laughs> but if everything else looks legitimate, I'm using the same email address I've always used, and mm -hmm. I'm at my IP address, I'm at my house buying this product. Yeah. When everything else looks good and you've got a company using Signify, we can say, okay, it's not the perfect buyer, but mm -hmm. it's enough for us to say yes and put our guarantee on it. So yeah. if it is fraud, if someone did you know, steal my credit card and they're buying something while I'm while I'm out of my house, then Signify will reimburse the merchant in mm -hmm. full. Cost of the product, the taxes, the shipping, all those yeah. expensive logistics we just talked about. Yeah. So we are able to work without an entire set of data to make that decision. And that's really where merchants have seen that value because we have a bit more understanding of the customer than they do, which is usually why our merchants, when they come on board, not only do they see all their chargebacks drop to zero, but they actually see a four to six percent increase in top line revenue because mm -hmm. more sales are being let through. Yeah. That's awesome. And again, Partner Signified and Megan talking to us about all of the wonderful aspects of returns and everything that we expect at the holiday season and merchants don't want to expect. So again, thank you for coming in. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy the snow outside and your new winter <laughs> boots that you found. And I'm thrilled with my couch that we ended up changing the whole room for a different product. But Overall, again, thank you for your time today. This has been great. I always love coming to see the team. Uh, if you're in Chicago, please stay warm and bundled <laughs> up and honestly go somewhere else. But <laughs> yes, yes, go somewhere else. You were talking about like Florida trips and other areas. No, before, it's, it's perfect. So. I've never been to Chicago in the winter, so oh, this is my yes. this is my inaugural Chicago winter yeah. trip. I hear it's a one-hit wonder. So we'll see about. Depends that. on if you live here. Or I'll not. be back in August again. But you're from New York, so <laughs> you're from, also yeah. You're, I, 
Heading right back to more clients snow. we've had from uh, <laughs> some warmer states who have had to buy the winter coat the minute they stepped off the plane oh. are the fun stories I like to always refer to anyone who hasn't been to Chicago in the winter. Oh dear! No, so, I just had to take the tags off my boots. Yes. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for tuning into the future by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you want us to cover a topic or submit feedback, please email us at LessonsForTomorrow at AmericanEagle.com and let us know. Be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date with us. And while you're at it, if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating and sharing this podcast with others to prepare them for the future. And also, most importantly, please follow us on social media. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'll catch you in the next lesson.